Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Brio TV, the podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hollywood Suite. Hollywood Suite, the best movies of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Subscribe today to Hollywood Suite at HollywoodSuite.com. excited today. Uh, a very special guest. I've talked to this lady before on the set of her show uh, on other occasions. Uh, she's Canada's premier animal trainer, manager, Sherry Davis. Sherry, it's a delight to have you on here and to talk about Hudson and Rex. How are you today? Hi there, Bill. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. We're great out here in Newfoundland. Hope you're all well in Toronto. Yeah, doing all right. You're in uh, St. John's, I assume? Yes, we're out in St. John's, where you're guaranteed to have three seasons a day. (laughs) And why are you talking to me today, Sherry? Actually, um, I'm talking to you today because I lost a bet with Rex, and he told me I had to call in. <laughs> well, you know, never uh Rex is pretty seasoned casino dog, I think. So uh, you know, I guess losing a bet is easy to him. Um of course, uh we're talking about Diesel. Uh uh Diesel Diesel von Brigenwald. Is that the full name, Sherry? And I yes. guess we, first things first, we need to congratulate Diesel from under understand he's a new father. Is that true? He is. He had a beautiful uh litter of girls he had six baby girls and they are doing fabulous uh that's amazing now is it uh unusual for a litter to have all girls or boys or one sex or the other well yeah it is and i figured it was because i told him that we were going to bring a couple of his sons out to newfoundland and you know start getting them set worthy and he was like, oh, no way is that going to happen. So he gave me all little girls. Wow. Uh, and and um, it would, you know, now I think he was around uh, two or uh, maybe close to three when you started the show. Is that true? Uh, he was actually a year and a half when we started. He just turned four. My goodness. Isn't that amazing? Um, uh, and you, you were joking, of course, about the girls, but. Does it make much difference to you in terms of training um, whether he had a litter of boys or girls? Um, For the show, it it doesn't make a difference in the training and the trainability, but it does definitely make a difference in the look of the dog. So I I really um, need those husky boys um, that actually look like little men running around um, instead of, you know, some beautiful, coffered little girls. Right. Uh, now, I know Diesel has a couple of uh, stand-ins for action scenes and for still photography. Uh, Izzy and Iko, is that how you pronounce? Yes. Her name? Yeah. Correct. Now, are, are they male, are both males? They are both males. They are litter brothers, and they are actually his nephews. Right. Amazing. And he is the 15th generation from the original uh, German Shepherd who played on the Austrian series that the Hudson and Rex is based on, right? Yes, that's correct. So the the bloodline of dogs that uh, Diesel comes from is called the Trinsbockel, and it's a line in Germany. And the only one 
as far as I know, with the line here in Canada is um, his breeder, Erwin Giles, from Von Bergenwald Kennels. So through the generations, um, they are actually related. And we had no idea when when Diesel got this part that they were that they were related. Um, Yeah, it was um, Adam. Um, hate from Shaftesbury who came and was like he he saw Diesel which was not supposed to be Rex Um, we were actually looking at some of my other shepherds who were quite a bit blacker and I had just brought Rex home or Diesel home with his two nephews and Adam, I'd only had him for a few days and Adam turned around and I was just going to be working, doing some work with him. And Adam turned around and saw him and was like, that's Rex. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 that's not Rex. I said, um, Adam, I, I haven't had him that long. And, um, you know, a, a funny story, I'll give you a little backstory is he was purchased as a puppy from the breeder. And he was returned to the breeder. Yeah. And then I went to get my puppy that I had waited forever for. And uh, the breeder said to me, I don't think that's the right puppy. I said, that is the right puppy. I fell in love with Izzy. And he's like, that's not the right puppy. You want to get Eichel. I said, no, I really like Izzy. And he's like, I said, Izzy picked me. He goes, no, you really want Eichel. And I'm like, (laughs) down there looking at me. And he's like, Oh, you don't want him. He was returned too. Like we call him Dodo. And I'm like, no, like, how's he with the puppies? He said, well, oddly enough, his sister gave birth to Izzy and Iko. And so the that's their uncle. And I'm like, can you let him out? And he's like, yeah. So I went for one puppy and I came home with Izzy, Iko, and Diesel. <laughs> wow. And and his name was originally Dodo. Uh, they, they were calling him Dodo because he was just so aloof and like, and his name was Dodo. Wow. I, I got called the same thing when I was in high school, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but Diesel's a much cooler name. So good for, good for him and good for you guys. Um, now let's go right into it because from what I understand, Hudson and Rex, which is seen on city TV, Entering its third season, is that correct? Yes. And this is the first show in Canada, I believe, the first network show to go back before the cameras after the uh, the whole uh, coronavirus pandemic. Is that true? That's correct. Yeah. What has that been like? And especially in a show that is stars a dog. I mean, it, do you have to, I don't know how this works because a lot of us are wearing masks. I know on sets mask use is encouraged between scenes. Uh, you, you must not be able to wear a mask and give commands or, or are you be able to use hands signs? How has this gone for you so far? Well, it's funny because, um, you know, when, when this all came about and it was like, we're going to go back, I'll tell you, we have a very, very strict um, procedural on set, yeah. uh, which is actually stricter than the provinces. Um, so everybody has to wear masks. Uh, the the cast, when they're acting, they get their masks off and then they go on every time we cut. Um, so it was 
It was a, a huge learning curve to get the dogs used to everybody wearing masks because all of a sudden they don't know who anybody is. And it's very strange when you have, we don't realize it, but, but because dogs actually communicate a lot with facial expression, all of a sudden, all they could see were a set of eyes. So oh. it took a little bit to get the dogs used to just seeing eyes and hearing voices and not really sure who is that person. Do I know that person? Do I not know that person? Um, and they have, they have adapted quite nicely. But for me, working them, even though the dogs are trained on hand signals, body language, verbal commands, um, when I am working, I'd say at most of the time I have to be maskless because I'm whispering commands or I'm using a lot of facial expression to get the dog to do what I want them to do. Right. I, I've seen you work on set uh, a couple of occasions. Uh, not that long ago, we were had the great good fortune to be uh, in Pierre and Michelon uh, with a special episode that was shot there. And uh, that was extraordinary to see how you communicate with Diesel, uh, along with uh, some of the actors, John Whedon, of course, uh, who plays Hudson. Um, he seemed to, through your training, picked up a lot of the hand signs and things like that. Um, so is Diesel, I mean, for what you're describing, I mean, the dog must freak out a little bit with everybody wearing masks, right? I mean, how uh, tough has this been on him? You know, I've got a wonderful crew out here and our cast is phenomenal. So when we first came out, uh, what we did is we did a social distancing meet and greet and I had everybody spread out in each department and they had their masks on and I asked them to put their masks down and call Diesel's name. And then as they were petting him to put their masks back on and wow. talk to him through the mask, because believe it or not, your voice does change considerably when you have a mask on. So I wanted him to identify the smell of that person with the tone and the look because the tone changes as soon as you put a mask on. So we did a mask list with their mask just around their neck. And then as they were talking and petting Diesel, we put the mask on. So he associated then the new look with the new tone of voice to the smell of that person. And it really did make the transition much, much easier. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, I understand they're applying the same rules on the set of Murdoch Mystery. Like now you, the actors have to get used to the smell of Yannick. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I know Christina Jennings is she executive producers with Shaftesbury both these shows. So that's a joke for Christina and Yannick, yeah, and we'll move a good on. Friend of mine, I'm going to let you know. know that one. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll get heck for that. Um, Anyway, uh, this is a, this is fascinating that you have to go to these lengths. Now, normally to do an hour long show in, in Canada and in the United States too, I think, you know, that requires like an eight day shoot or so. Um, you know, it's complicated to get all these scenes in. You get, try to get through so many pages a day. Has the new safety measures caused, uh, longer shoots? Does it take uh, nine or 10 now to do this or? have people learned uh, quickly to, to do it the old way? Um, you know, it, it's funny you ask that. And I, our crew has been phenomenal. Like, honestly, our crew has been phenomenal. But 
we have so many new safety measures in. like every time you touch something, you have to disinfect it. Um, you know, if, if I'm using mats for stunt, when the mats go down, once the mats, uh, every time the mats are used, you have to disinfect. And so I think it's more so um, there is a little bit of time adjustment, but as for the filming itself, it's still on track. So wow. the filming itself is going amazingly well. Um, you know, we're, we're in a very um, spoiled industry where we're blessed with having food available to us and drinks available to us. And, you know, that, that where you just go and help yourself has changed now. So, you know, now you, you order your food or you order your drink and it's brought to you to, um, you know, to limit the contamination um, between different people handling things. So, I mean, honestly, the way it's like a very fine tuned ship, uh, the way it runs and it's very, very plateaued, like what is allowed, what isn't allowed, you know, here, here's a, for instance, you use a washroom and it's disinfected right after you use it, you know, wow. um, you know, it's different things like that. Uh, there's, uh, we have a set medic that is there and all of our temperatures get tested. Um, all the CFAs, we all get tested. We, we have to be tested and we get COVID testing and we're all in isolation. And, you know, so I, I have to hands down give them, you know, superior credit to yeah. all that they have done to make this possible for us to go back to filming. That's fascinating. Um, and um, is Diesel, is there any change in how he is fed? Is is uh, he served the same way as he was before or is it a different way? Let me tell you, the king himself gets better <laughs> chef service than any of us. So he yes. still gets his roast beef cooked and he still gets his chicken cooked. And, you know, he still gets all of the special treatments that he's always gotten. And he still gets his weekly spa treatments and wow. yeah yeah he is uh he is one pampered pooch that is for sure <laughs> he sounds like a, a a journalist on the tca press tour you know we we get all these things <laughs> fortunately that's all gone too um wow um and and uh is a uh, mr pope is still uh the showrunner the executive producer on hand on on the scene down there absolutely he is yes yeah. What a lot of headaches to sort all this out, but heads off, hats off to all of uh, the people who are. Um, and you can't just now. Here's when I would go to a set. The best thing was you'd walk by the craft services table, and my goodness, jur journalists would just take their hands and scoop out a bunch of goodies and put them in their pet pockets and things. But all of that is gone, right, Sherry? What, what's happening in terms of craft services? Yeah, no, it's, it, it is actually, it, there is no such thing as craft service per se. Yeah. So now if you want, um, you know, if you want your chips or your candies or anything, you <laughs> go on your walkie and you order it and wow. they will bring it to you in a baggie with, so there's no um, cross contamination. Um, nobody else has touched it. Um, you know, you're not even allowed to go in a cooler and grab a, uh, a bottle of water. It's sanitized wow. and yeah. somebody hands it to you. So, um, yeah, so you can still we, we are still spoiled in the sense that 
it is all available to us. But, you know, I think it's healthier for the waistline right now because you don't see it. So when you don't see it, it's kind of off your mind. And then you're walking around. But when, you know, they yell cut and you walk by this beautiful table full of stuff down my throat somehow. Of course. Yeah. Actually been better for for me health wise to wow. not have it sitting there. Well, me too. I better get I better find my way to a set fast. This sounds like it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I could use this new program. Uh, now, I, I understand you, you've already shot one episode. Is that true? We've got two in the bag right now. Yeah, wow. two successful episodes. And our friend Alan Hocko, who's, who's from uh, St. John's from Newfoundland, is uh, one of the guest stars. Is that true? That is true. And it was... Uh, it was the first time I had the pleasure of working with him. Phenomenal actor. Yes, um, he is. An absolute animal lover. So that was yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah, we had a great time. Great time. That's cool. Yeah, he's a lovely guy. And uh, who, who does he play? Can you say anything about what's happening in that episode? Uh I'm just going to say you got to watch the episode. Oh, my goodness. You 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 know this business like no one. I know. Thank you. Thank you for bailing us all out of a lot of trouble from uh, Shaftesbury and CBC or uh, City TV. Um, you got to watch and see. You never know what is going to happen on Rex. Yeah, no kidding. Um, what? And tell me, too, we've just come off a hiatus of several months especially with the coronavirus probably pushing things back. What's the routine? I know uh, uh, Diesel was off um, having uh, a litter. I assume he was back with his owner at that time. Is that the case? And what is there a special uh, regimen of training or things that you do in between seasons? Yeah, Diesel lives with me full time. So does Iko and Izzy. And um, surprisingly enough, a lot of people think when we're on hiatus that, you know, everybody gets a holiday. (laughs) And um, yeah, that doesn't work that way. So we actually work the dogs every single day. So even here in Newfoundland, we film five days a week. We prep two days a week. When we're at home, we prep five days a week and we do take two days a week off. Uh, But yeah, so... I'll, I'll tell you this season, there is some amazing stunts that you will see that, um, you know, a lot of people don't believe that our dogs are actually doing these stunts. They oh. think that they're um, CGI'd or, and it's not, it's not the case. All, everything you see Rex do, Rex is doing. There is no CGI. There's no special, there's no, animatronics there's none of that what you see is what the dogs are actually doing and we have amazing stunts this season and, and i guess the more you do this the more seasons the more you ask of of uh rex of diesel because uh the more uh, uh, signals he he has learned right yeah so you know in our off season we tried to teach them some new stunts that we haven't seen before you know we we try and up the ante with each season and uh, invent new things for the dogs to do and new ways that um, things can be written in. We've got a a wonderful, wonderful writing team. Um, And, you know, we try and work with them and 
in discovering new ways that recs can, um, you know, help out with solving crimes. Mm. And, and Izzy does some of these stunts as well. Is that true? So Izzy is honestly like the class clown. You see what happens when I talk about Izzy, I start smiling because <laughs> he is like the class clown. He right. is um, so silly and so happy all the time and wagging his tail and kissing and loving. And then Iko is a little bit more on the serious side. He's the one who, you know, if Izzy has to take down the bad guy, he's going to be a little gentle about it because, oh, I don't want to hurt you. Are you okay? Okay, you're okay now. <laughs> and Iko is the one who is like um, a torpedo coming at you uh, an hour and is like, I'm taking your butt to the ground, whether you like it or not. So hang on for the ride. Wow. And then, yeah, and then Diesel's, you know, he's the soulful one who is standing by going, let me tell you if you're doing it right or not, boys. Yeah, well, I, I witnessed this when I was out at uh, St. Pierre and Miquelon. Uh, you were shooting a scene by a carousel, I think, in, in this small town there on the island. And um, it was time to call in the stunt dogs. So Diesel was in a car in the back seat with the window half up. And he was pissed, man. He was watching this going on. And he was like, what the hell? What are these guys doing? They're eating my lunch. I am not sitting for this. Where's my agent? Like, it was fascinating to watch him freak out, right? He, he absolutely loses his shit if I am working Like, he gets so upset. He's like, Mom, I can do it. And it's like, sorry, buddy, I can't. I can offer you an arm's way. And he's like, no. You you remember those kids who had temper tantrums in stores when they couldn't get a chocolate bar or a toy? Right, I had two of them, yeah. A million. And that's him. Like, he is just like, he wants every toy on the aisle. He goes nuts. Well, why shouldn't he? He's getting served these meals for a king. He's going to the spa. Like he's this guy's got you know what? What the heck? Uh, why is something else getting in on this? So uh, he's just like everybody else. But uh, I remember seeing that and just thinking that was fascinating to see that uh, that go on. But uh, he knows who's boss. It's cool. Um, all right, Sherry. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back. I'm going to ask you about. Some other uh, aspects, you uh, have your own business as well as being the trainer and the, uh, one of the producers on uh, Hudson and Rex. We'll talk a bit about that and a few other things when we come back in just a moment. Sounds great. I think most of us would agree that the, some of the greatest sports movies of all time were made in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Take 1971's Brian Song. Grown men still weep at the mere mention of the name Brian Piccolo. For, for I mean, come on. And how, how about Slapshot, a filthy and hilarious 1977 masterpiece featuring the Hanson brothers and some guy named Paul Newman. Even Caddyshack, made 40 years ago. You can sense, just by watching it, that Chevy Chase and Bill Murray hated each other's guts. And is there any movie that could not be improved just by adding Roddy Dangerfield? Think Ben Hur with him in the chariot scene. Tell me I'm wrong. And, you know, and then there's Bill Bull Durham. 
White Men Can't Jump, Jerry Maguire, Happy Gilmore, Friday Night Lights, Goon, great hockey film, Canadian film. The list goes on and on. And best of all, they're all available to stream anytime right now this month with no commercial interruptions or cuts on Hollywood Suite. And now, and if you're more into movie musicals and sports, again, this month, all month long, Hollywood Suite is also showcasing films with amazing soundtracks from the same decades. So this month, they've got The Graduate, great 60s film, Saturday Night Fever, The Big Chill, Dirty Dancing, and my all-time number one favorite, A Hard Day's Night, the only film ever made that doesn't need Dangerfield. Although, maybe he could have paid Paul's granddad the clean little old man. Anyway, that's Hollywood Suite. Subscribe today at HollywoodSuite.com. Okay, we're back with Sherry Davis. Sherry is, um, Sherry, what is your exact title on Hudson and Rex? Uh, <laughs> official title? Yeah. I'm sure I have many titles that they don't tell me about. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I am called the Dog Master. The Dog Master. Well, that's appropriate. And uh, the Dog Master and the star of the show, of course, is Diesel, who plays Rex on Hudson and Rex, seen on City TV, and also seen in Italy and France and uh, countries in uh, Latin America. Uh, It's traveled uh, all over the world. Have you had a chance to see this show in another language? I have. It's very, very interesting. Right. And who dubs the voice of Rex? I'm just kidding. No one does. It's a dog, right? Or, exactly. or does it? Or, or does somebody? <laughs> you know, maybe they have Labark. Labark. I don't. I don't know. It could be changed, right? But um, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, um, it, it must be fun to watch. Though other uh, someone else speak for John uh, Whedon or some of the other uh, actors. It is. It's very funny, and and. Uh, you know, we had the opportunity as cast to sit and watch one of the um, edited versions. And everybody was saying, is that me? Oh, I sound so cool. Oh, my God. Listen to my voice. And it was so funny because they were like, oh, my God, I sound so tough. And, you know, <laughs> it, it was very funny to to sit with them and hear them trying to um you know, say their voices, like uh, replicate the the deep tones of the voice. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was kind of neat. It's a real art that these people that do voiceovers in other languages and just they drop every syllable precisely with the lip movements, and uh, uh, it's a tremendous skill. Uh, it's it's uh, you know pretty cool to watch. So uh, I was wondering if you'd seen it. Um, now tell us a bit too, because besides. Uh, being the dog master in Hudson and Rex, you have your own business. You have uh, kennels in uh, near Hamilton, Ontario. Is that true? Yeah, out near Ancaster. Um, I'm in Ancaster, Ontario. That's where my home base is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, I've I've had a business in Oakville, Ontario and uh, Milton, and I had closed up everything in those locations. So about eight years ago, I guess, uh, I moved out to Ancaster. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I opened everything up there, and so we do boarding and doggy daycare and training and search and rescue and um, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff I do out there. Now while I'm away filming, I head up all my own film and I head up all my own training. Um, so I do public training as well as I do um, 
the film industry and commercials. So when I devote myself to a project, it takes a priority. So uh, right now, Hudson and Rex is the priority. So at my business uh, back home, we just do boarding and daycare there while I'm away filming. And and how has your business uh, boarding and and, uh, daycare, how has that gone during this period of COVID? What what changes have you had to make in order to continue with that business? Well, it's funny. It was still deemed essential service because um, for people who Obviously, first responders and stuff, they still needed to have a place to put their animals. A lot of times they couldn't get home. So they were boarding their animals long term. Well, because um, a lot of the first responders were doing stints like a a four week stint or a two week stint. So we were still doing that kind of stuff. Obviously, people traveling, uh, the impact to the business has been detrimental that way because uh, nobody is traveling right now, so there's no need to board their animals. That's uh, true. Yeah. As for the training, I I was in the process of classes when COVID hit, and we were shut down because training was deemed non-essential. Um, and then it opened back up, thankfully, before I came here. So I was able to help more dogs and owners prior to me coming back to Newfoundland. Um, that essentially, when I do my training. I, I, I'm training for the purpose of trying to make uh, the general public um, have a better relationship with their dogs and have those dogs be better members of society. So yeah. every time I can do some training back home, you know, that's one more dog's life I might be saving. And it's a very, really is an essential service because if uh, you can imagine so many of us have pets and uh, they don't understand COVID-19 or coronavirus or pandemics. And so it's an unusual thing, just as humans were getting on each other's nerves because we're all camping out in the same house. It must freak dogs out. What do you do at home during the day? That's my couch, uh, you know, and cats and every other pet. Uh, have you encountered this with people who have uh, boarded animals at your your facility? You know, it's really funny, and I try to tell people I don't, I don't like to routine animals because when you routine them, they get used to it, and then when you take them out of that routine, they, they will have anxiety, and then they can become destructive. They can self-destruct themselves. They can be destructive to your, your own home and your environment and chew things, and so I tell people don't get in the routine, and, and this is a prime example of – uh, of animals having a routine and now it's completely changed and we're introducing a new routine where we're home all the time. The kids are home. The parents are home. We're going to hike every day. And what's really, really scary to me is what's going to happen when the world reopens and, you know, all of a sudden that routine is gone. And now those right. dogs are home alone for 10, 12 hours a day. You know, and the last thing we want to see is our animal shelters filling up. The last thing we want to see are, yeah. I call them divorces, starting right. to happen because we got them into a routine. So, you know, I tell people all the time, try not to make it a routine. Don't don't dictate that every day we're going to go for a hike at noon because you're not going to come home every day from work at noon and take your dog for a hike. Right. So, you know, it's these kind wow. of things that, you know... 
um, they have me a little on edge for the animals uh, well-being because people right now are, are, you know, taking them everywhere and spending all kinds of time and doing this. They aren't putting them in their crates for nap time or bedtime and they aren't leaving them alone in the house for extended periods. And that's something that we should make a point of still doing because one day the world is going to open up again and we're going to have to go back to work. So the big adjustment is really what's coming up now, isn't it? It thinks you're right. This, this is a, I didn't even think of that. Um, And that will be a handful for people with pets for sure. uh, Because you're right. A lot, it's so easy to get into a habit of being, comforting uh, petting the dog at three o'clock and one all afternoon and not going to be there at at some point. So um, I guess it'll be uh, a a nice problem to have for people who are anxious to get back to work, but still something to think about. Um, It's something that we don't want any animal to go through, right? It's the same as you and I, if you think of the stress that the COVID has put us under all living under one roof together, yeah. And then the animals are used to packs and they're pack animals. They love it. Well, then you got to think of the stress that's going to happen when all those pack members leave. And now that animal is isolated and they're going to go, whoa, what happened? Why did everybody leave me? What's going yeah. on? They don't uh-huh. understand that. So that's, a, you know, hopefully people will take that into consideration. Stop the routine, get them out of routine and mix things up. So it's not such a hard transition for those animals. That's good advice. Sure. I want to ask about how you, how all this started for you, where your first pet and from what we've spoken before, and you told me this great story, but I think you were about five years old. And uh, this is the point where uh, your, your family decided to get a pet. And I believe your brother factored into all of this. Could you just tell that story? Oh, my brother. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> the best brother that day so so it was we had bugged my parents um for an animal and of course when i was five we moved my parents were one of the first 500 residences in aaron mills so we lived uh i'll never forget 33 46 choke cherry crescent because my brother used to say we lived on choke cherry crescent <laughs> so uh, i think he liked me very much as a kid <laughs> anyways i'll never forget my that house and i'll never forget when we moved it was all country and like we were out in the boonies back then so we yeah. were like can we get an animal can we get a dog can we get a dog no 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 well my brother they had made it to like you know the rep league and it was the big finals and my brother was a defense player. I'm five years old. I don't know any better. Right. They said, Rob, if you score a goal, we'll go and get a dog as soon as the game is over. I'm like, Rob, you got to score a goal. Holy smokes. Not yeah, even this, what this is defense. hockey. Yeah, yes. you're, you're playing hockey. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I had no clue what a defense player meant at that time. Right, I was five right. years old. Yeah. So, of course, my mom and dad are like, <laughs> I'll never <laughs> right well i'll never forget my brother gets that puck and all of a sudden he was like a superhero he <laughs> forgot what passing meant he forgot what a defenseman meant he went straight down that ice and he just did something do 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 flick flick flop and in the net went the puck oh my gosh i think i peed my pants i was like we're getting a dog <laughs> and my dad were like, 
what just happened? They were devastated. They were like, why didn't you pass the puck? He's like, because we're getting a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) How old was your brother? Uh, He was, he would have been eight. That's hilarious. What a great story. And yeah, uh, and, and the best story of all, are you ready? So yeah. it, here's, here's the, here's the best part of all. We go to the shelter and I am looking at the biggest of the biggest dogs. And I'm, I'm just like, we'll take them all. I didn't understand. Right? right. And my, and you know, they were like, whatever you like. And then they're like, Oh, <laughs> that's kind of big. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of big. So we found this beautiful little medium-sized dog it was a collie uh cross um so it was collie pomeranian probably about 20 25 pounds and oh we loved this dog we called her sunny because she was golden and she was beautiful and took her home and my mom took her to the vet a couple days later and she was pregnant oh my goodness right so you had a litter right away that's hilarious. Now, did you did you keep any of the litter? You must have given them away, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, my parents had dealt with that, yeah. Yeah, I would think. Um, well, I'm so glad I wasn't your brother. I play hockey with a bunch of teachers at Brampton, and I play defense. And if you were counting on me to score a goal, you would never have gotten a dog, Sherry. You'd still be waiting. <laughs> So let's hear. Let's pause and give thanks to your brother for for jumping into the play like that. Um, Let me tell you, he, he it's all because of him. I am what I am today. <laughs> um, now, besides Hudson and Rex, you've been doing this for several years with other productions for TV, for movies, commercials, things like that. Can you talk a bit about that? What uh, what other shows you've worked on or movies and. What what other kind of animals? Because they're not all just dogs. You've been asked to train, are they? No, I, I do all kinds of animals. I'll tell you what happened um, way back in the day. I wanted to be a vet. I was going to save the world. And wow. I did an internship. And I realized that I wasn't going to be saving the world by, by being um, a veterinarian, believe it or not. And I can remember the day that that really sunk in. And it was like, we need to train people at, at how to deal with these animals. And it's training. Like, I, I can fix this. I can fix these animals. I know I can. And it, and it was kind of like a, a pivoting point in in what direction I took with my life. And I went from the medical side to the behavior modification and methodology side, and, and how old would you? How old would you have been at this point, Sherry? I was about twenty when I, I'd, I've been training. I, I think I started training when I got Sunny at five, and I had trained, 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 and not realized that um, you know through through training and education, I'd save more lives than through the medical side of things. Wow. And uh, that's when I opened BRB Canine. And a lot of people back then, there was no like B right back. So BRB actually stands for Bullet, Raleigh and Blackie, which are the first three dogs that I personally, like as an adult, my very own dogs titled and competed with. Wow. Those are great names. Yeah. <laughs> Bullet, Rocky and Brett Blackie. That's cute. Um well, and and so uh, you you decided to do some training. What was? Do you remember what your first um, movie or film project was? What you were asked to do uh, the very first time you got into the this business with animals? 
Um, I, no, I don't. Um, I hate to say, it, but I've been doing this a long time. Right. Um, I, I remember, though, that a gentleman, um, and I still remember his name, uh, a gentleman had found out about me through somebody in the film industry. They needed a dog. Uh, it might have been dogmatic, if I recall. And they needed a group of dogs. They wanted like 100 dogs to do this, and he couldn't find anybody. And he said he was an American and said that they were going to have to take it back to the U.S., and then um, somebody had told him about me and he came out and I said, yeah, I can do it. And much to his dismay, he was like, are you sure about that? I said, yeah, come back on the weekend and I'll have it set up for you. And I had, I had it all done and he was like, uh, who are you? And that's really what started my career. Wow. In film. Yeah. And, and I think you told me once that you had one job where you had to, heard uh, a, a lot of animals and um was it rats sherry am i dreaming this or was there was some no, unusual? 650 yeah. rats and i had a rat mobile and we had rats flown in from all over the u.s and canada and we did um uh, uh it was called the colony and uh, and strangely enough it was supposed to be released on 9-11 and it got um, it got postponed, obviously. Wow. Um, and yeah, we, so I taught the the rats to run A to B's and then I had jumping rats and I had stay rats and I had rats that would pick things up and look at it and throw stuff. And yeah, I had uh, rats that would climb up on people. And so I trained the rats to sounds. So I had different rats to di- train to different sounds. Yeah. Wow. That, the rats are trainable? I mean, they're that smart? They are that smart. That's probably why that's the one animal in the world that, you know, outsmarts humans. <laughs> Ooh, outsmarts. Wow. I, I mean, you know, I, I know some humans who are rats, so I guess <laughs> they, a lot of the TV critics. But uh, uh, and, and did you also, I think, work on a Beethoven film? Is that ringing a bell? Um, I've done dogs and cats and rats and um, I had a lynx. I've I've done. I'm just looking at. Um, uh, at so, so I've done. Uh, I did Disney productions. Um, I'm trying to see here. I've written shows. I've done. I've had my own shows. I've directed. Um, we've done. I've done Murdoch Mysteries, which you know is uh, yeah. is a Shaftesbury film. Yeah. Uh, I, American Gods, Designated Survivor, um, back in the day, um, oh, let's see, Flashpoint, Rick Mercer Report, um, then we did Nikita, um, I'm just going with Lost Girl, Finn on the Fly, which wow. we won Rockets Awards for, um, yeah, all which, kinds of stuff. Well, that's a, quite a career. Um uh, you know, you you really have an IMDb list probably longer than a lot of actors. That's fantastic. Um, now I'm wondering too. Do you you know obviously when you were younger you watched uh, shows on television like all of us. Was there a favorite all time favorite show with a dog in it? Uh, you know, or or a couple of them? Were you a fan of The Littlest Hobo or Lassie or things like that? Okay, Benji. Benji. Okay. Yeah. I just age myself like crazy. You no. know, 
And I will never forget, there was this one episode of Benji. And um, Benji went to the top of the mountain and is standing on a rock, which I now know was a mark, but was standing on the rock looking over, you know, the canyon. And there was a mountain lion. And and I'll, I'll never forget that scene as long as I live. And it was so funny when I had my links, I was training the links and I used to bring my links in as my demonstration dog when I was teaching. And she used to lay on a table in the middle of my classes while I taught all the dogs. And I thought, now I know that mountain line was actually trained. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a lynx is a, is a beautiful, magnificent animal, but I would imagine it could turn. It could be very dangerous. Uh, did you ever get bitten or have a, a an incident like that? No, never. You know, um, it's very funny because a lot of people don't realize um, how dangerous every a cat is more dangerous, in my opinion, than a dog. Cat bites wow. are. Yeah, cat. There's cat scratch fever. Cat bites are are dirtier than dog bites. Um, I have been bitten. I don't know how many times because honestly, I don't think there is any such thing as a bad animal. I think there's mistreated animals, misunderstood animals. Um, and I think a lot of times people don't realize I, I, I thank the good Lord above every morning I wake up because there's 36 dogs living in my house. They could easily take a bite out of my femoral artery. They could get me in the jugular. They could team up against me and they never have because there, there's a thing called respect. And, you know, it, it, it's not about hitting and kicking. It's about setting boundaries and staying by those boundaries. There's, there's no gray shades with an animal. And an animal is very, very similar to a human where you're their best friends and you get to a point and then they push a little and you just have to, hey, that's enough. Knock it off. You push it too far. And then they're like, OK. And it's it's very, very similar to to any any warm blooded predator. You and I being the same, you know, yeah. you push your limits a little too far. And, you know, people have this huge misconception um, that, you know, they get a dog and it has to work. You have to make it work. And that's not true. I try to, to, to tell people that having a dog is like being married and, you know, there's nothing wrong with being the getting married, you're madly in love, but then you fall out of love for whatever reason and you end up getting divorced some there is somebody out there for you and there is somebody out there for that dog and they will have the best lives ever instead of abusing it or you know giving up on it or whatever like it, it, you're better to find it another home because it'll flourish with somebody else where it might not flourish with you but that dog that wasn't suitable for that other family is now the best dog in the world for you and the prime example of that is diesel you know, he didn't work out with his first owners. Me and him were inseparable. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Um, and, and it works and applies that same relationship and respect uh, in a work environment like uh, Hudson and Rex. I'm sure Diesel feels that he has John Reardon's respect or Mako's respect, correct? Yeah. And, you know, um, 
at the end of the day, very, very similar. You, you know, you have that respect for one, one another. And there are times where he will sauce me on set. Like I'll I'll be asking him, saying he'll, and I'm like, okay. He's like, you know, or they'll, they'll say, okay, we're ready for diesel. And then they'll call finals. And he's sitting there and, and then he starts getting a little antsy and he'll start giving them some lip, like barking at him, hurry up and get that hair done. I'm ready to shoot. So, you know, know, it's that, uh, it's a relationship that, that grows over time and it's a respect thing for each other. He respects the cast and, and, and the crew as much as they respect him. Yeah. Well, we've all seen that kind of uh, bark back behavior on other sets where there are no animals involved, uh, just uh, just some of the actors and actresses. Uh, so why not, uh, Diesel? Why not, uh, Rex? And, uh, you know, there you go. Um, now, besides uh, your Benji being a, a favorite dog memory from television or films, um, did and I ask everyone this, Sherry, but did you have a favorite, just a favorite children's show? Was there a uh, a kid's show that you watched? Did you watch Friendly Giant or, uh, you know, Sesame Street or things like that? Okay, I think I was the weird kid because I used to watch National Geographic. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, there's the animal love right there. Yeah, I never, I I don't think I ever watched a cartoon. Um, I might have watched, like, Mm, the Flintstones maybe or or maybe Bugs Bunny but I was like National Geographic's on yes and that's where I was crazy no that's actually shows a great taste and uh, <laughs> you know uh, it's, it's probably the best programming on earth it is fascinating do you still watch those shows on Nat Geo now absolutely yeah, there's yeah. some amazing dramatic things that go on. Just the whole hierarchy of the the, the jungle. Uh, you know, there's shows with lions and uh, and uh, jackals and and uh, hyenas uh, and and wild dogs. Uh, that and you and you watch and see how they all fit into those societies, right? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's really funny. I I watch a lot of medical shows i i watch a lot of the nature shows um i have to say they're probably some of my favorites to watch and you know the some of the medical procedures that they've come up with um from you know way back when i was looking into that industry uh are phenomenal like uh, laparoscopy surgery and mris for dogs and and other animals and and just some of the stuff that we can do now uh, medically and, and, and the, you know, I always said, uh, years and years and years ago, I trained dogs on a color wheel and everybody said, dogs don't see a color dogs don't see. I'm like, yes, they do because they would never know a color wheel. No, they just, and I could train a dog. I could have 20 rainbow colors and say, where's yellow? And the dog would go to yellow every time. And I'm like, there you go. And then like 20 years later, they're like, Oh, dogs can see in color. I'm like, Oh my gosh. But yes, why, why is this such a thing that, you know, so, you know, I, I like the fact that, um, you know, we're starting to realize this kind of stuff. It's like people will say, Oh, a dog only thinks is equivalent to a two year old. Well, that is the worst statement I've ever heard somebody say, because I can take my dogs out um, and I can walk down a high school locker 
corridor and my dog will go locker one six seven has drugs in it. I don't know a two year old that can do that. Oh my I don't even God. know a police officer that can do that. Yeah, you know, that's true. We've, yeah, we've got dogs who are detecting. Uh, they can detect currency over ten thousand dollars. They can detect cancer before our technology can. They can hear. Um, they can hear the the audio waves before our technology can. The like, there's so much. And then when people say, "Oh, dogs are equivalent to a two year old," I, I really get my back up because I'm like, I don't know a two year old who is you know who right. can do half of what a dog can do. You, I've heard stories, and I didn't know. I mean, I always heard, thought that dogs were colorblind because that was the popular myth, I guess. So uh, you're disproving that. But um, that, that there's stories about dogs who can sense imminent death that, that will curl up with patients in hospitals, comfort them in their final moments, that they just have some special kind of empathy for, for people in that, in that situation, that stage of life, right? Yeah, the therapy dogs um, serve a wonderful purpose, um, you know, and there's different types of therapy dogs that go into hospitals and and um, that go into uh, the old age homes and that kind of stuff. There's, you know, do- dogs have and it's really nice to see how it's evolved from over the years where Back in the day, if you recall, dogs were not in our house per se. They they were working dogs. They were farm dogs. They had a purpose other than being our companions, other than being our lifelines. And a lot of times dogs are our lifelines. You know, um, now they're, they're using dogs to help people who have been, um, you know, in severe crimes, um, sexual crimes and stuff. And they, they use the dogs to help get testimonies and that kind of stuff. And, and then we have the PDSD dogs, autism dogs, hearing dogs, uh, visual dogs, we, um, anxiety dogs. There's so, we have dogs detecting cancer, detecting diabetes, detect. It's so amazing. And, you know, it's something that I always knew. And, it just it's kind of gratifying that people are starting to realize how magnificent and how intelligent animals are. And yeah. hopefully, you know, they'll realize it on a scale big, larger and larger that uh, how it transfers to other animals as well as our canines. Yeah, well, it's a fascinating topic. You know, someday we'll have uh uh, executive producer dogs, maybe, uh, you know, like it'll go right to the top in, in your business there. Uh, that's why they're top dogs. Um, I had a cat lived a long time, Milou. She just passed away last year. She was almost 20. And you were talking earlier about cat bites worse than dogs. I, I have to agree with you. Um, you know, and, and, um, my partner Sandra here and I, we, we would look at Milou and think, you know, um, if, if it wasn't that we were bigger, uh, she would probably eat us, you know, <laughs> like, like, it just seems like they cats look at you like, all right, all right, I'll let you go for now, but one false move and your lunch. So, um, there is a difference, right? There is uh, a big difference. Yeah. Listen, Sherry, it's been a delight to uh, reconnect. It's always great to see you. I hope you're having a ton of fun out there. Uh, and, and tell me again, just remind me, you, you do a good run of episodes. Is there like 13 or 15 new episodes? 
coming up? 16 for season three. So we did 16 in season one, 16 season two, and now we're going for our third 16, which is amazing. Now, that's a TV show. What is this stuff about making six or eight, like 16 episodes a year? Because people get to watch it for half the year and enjoy it and not have to wait and binge it all in one day and then wait a whole year again. So hats off to Shaftesbury and City TV for putting a nice big order in on this show. Uh, please say hi to uh, John Reardon and Paul Pope and uh, everybody, uh, the crew there. Have a great uh, year this season, and I uh, hope to see you again in person real soon, Sherry. So thanks for taking the time to do this today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Rio TV, the podcast, is brought to you by Hollywood Suite. My thanks today to guest Sherry Davis and especially to Diesel, the Wonder Dog, the podcast is produced by Phil Hong and is available on SoundCloud and wherever great podcasts are found. So long for now. Hello.